Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Modern Day Rebels, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers who actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives, and I'm excited to explore this topic with you. Each week, I sit down with a modern-day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, how they managed to do so in the first place, and what they do now to sustain, maintain, and continuously transform their everyday lives. In today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure to talk to Sarah Curtis, founder of Move Your Mind and one of the 10 Iron Women. I remember so clearly watching all of the women compete in Barcelona last October from the couch, following them along through Instagram stories and tracking them on the app, being in absolute awe of how they completed a 2.4 mile swim, followed by an 112 mile bike ride, and then ran a full marathon. During the episode, we talk about how Sarah integrates an active lifestyle in all aspects of her life, in particular in offering a different approach to her therapy sessions by offering movement-based therapy to her clients, and by starting a movement with the goal to inspire women to take on the unthinkable, those challenges that seem out of reach with the end goal of accomplishing a 50-50 gender split at the next Barcelona Ironman. We also talk about how she started her career in marketing at a charity and how she slowly transitioned into retraining as a therapist to later open her own practice and how she used a similar approach to go from absolutely hating running to running from LA to Vegas and then completing an Ironman. Throughout it all, we chat about the importance of having a strong, supportive community around you and how the hardest part is making that initial decision to just go for it. I can't wait for you to listen, so we're gonna jump right in. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to chat with you today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So to start things off, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? So I'm a psychotherapist and counsellor. I've got my own practice, which is called Mm -hmm. Move Your Mind, based in Shoreditch. And I do traditional therapy that you might expect. Like most other therapists, I see people in therapeutic rooms, so my practice is a little room off Brick Lane in Shoreditch but I also take clients outside so I see people in parks and in open spaces and I go for walks with people and runs with people and I guess I just want to do therapy a little bit differently and make sure everyone who wants to access it in a way that suits them can. Segwaying off of that because that's a quite a different approach to traditional therapy why do you consider yourself a modern day rebel or why might someone else see you as a rebel I maybe I guess people might see it as a bit rebellious because traditionally therapy has always taken place in a room that it's really easy to sort of keep that environment really controlled and very safe and very private and I completely agree with that I don't disagree that that is an brilliant environment to have therapy sessions in I think it's just possibly excluding quite a lot of people who maybe find that sort of space really intimidating they might find it really daunting to imagine just sitting in a room for 50 minutes with someone who's just going to basically well they imagine that you'll just stare Mm -hmm. at them and sort of expect them to speak and I, I really think that being outside can just add so much to 
the experience of people that are worried about that you know you're not sitting directly opposite them you're walking side by side or running which is also something I do for people that would like to run or even you know sometimes during sessions we might end up sitting on a bench or something like that and again it's just a different kind of dynamic you're sitting with them you're not sitting opposite them you're Mm -hmm. doing it almost represents a therapeutic process in a way because you're kind of you're going through the session with them it's very Mm -hmm. side by side process and I think for a lot of people they just much prefer it and these are the sorts of people that probably wouldn't access therapy if Mm -hmm. there wasn't that option so Mm -hmm. um it's a bit rebellious because people a lot of of traditional therapists might think that that's not the most conducive environment to have therapy in but ultimately I think what I'm really passionate about is opening therapy up for as many people as possible even if it means sort of shifting those sort of more traditional rules if you like in order Mm -hmm. to make sure people do access it so that's essentially your day job and there's something pretty big you do outside of that as well that I definitely want to get into a little bit later on in the podcast but kind of starting that off you've done something quite exciting end of last year yeah I completed an Ironman so which is crazy congratulations oh thank you yeah no I know it is it's almost I think I've been talking about it a lot since because I did it with um, nine other women so there's a group of 10 of us and we sort of tried to create a bit of a platform as we did it to encourage more women to take part because mm-hmm. the, gen- the gender um, imbalance in the sport is really extreme so it was 13 percent women when we took part in Ironman Barcelona in October last year the year before that that same race was 11 so it is just really really vast and you can see it when you're there you know this you know you're sort of picking out the women out the crowd mm-hmm. it's just so male heavy so we just really wanted to encourage more women so that they can take on those events if we want to so yeah we've been talking about it a lot but yes no I know it is oh god if I think back on it it is a lot of hard work and it does yeah it was a tough day so yeah Yes. And it's, it's interesting that you have kind of that theme of, I'd say, very, very active um, ingrained mm. in both your full-time job. And I don't really want to call it a hobby because it seems like so much more than, yeah. than a hobby. And all, it's almost like another full-time job in itself. But yeah. in terms of kind of going back to the therapy practice that you lead, mm. take me a little bit back to how that kind of started. Because I'm assuming your, your training was more traditional in a therapy room potentially. Yeah, it was. Gosh, I'm trying to remember when when I started training. But yeah, it it was much more traditional. But I, I had a tutor who was quite encouraging of going with your gut with things, if you like. Because of course, <laughs> yeah. there's, within traditional therapy, there's of course, boundaries that are set that you work within, which are really important, and they keep you safe, and they keep your clients safe. But he was open to at times, you know, those boundaries being pushed slightly, if if it was felt that it would therapeutically benefit your client. And I suppose this in a wider sense, is kind of the same thing you know it's benefiting someone who wouldn't otherwise possibly access therapy or Mm -hmm. have the same kind of inclination to go at all so yeah I still feel like it ties in with that bit and he was a great tutor to have in that sense that he wasn't he wasn't as strict as um, some might be on those kind of um, boundaries. Mm -hmm. So is that something you've always done from from the start offer kind of more movement-based therapy or is that a conscious decision that you made at some point? It wasn't. When I started training, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me really. I just wanted to be a psychotherapist, be a counsellor, help people. And I, I thought I'd be good at it. 
I didn't think I was going to try and do anything differently to what anyone else does. But I run a lot with groups of people and it's um, something I've done for quite a few years since I've been in London. So I run with Run Dem Crew and Track East. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that there's so much that comes out of running in groups like that, where you end up having really amazing conversations with people that you probably wouldn't otherwise have. So mm-hmm. there, I really think there is a power in, in movement with someone, you know, that mm-hmm. idea of it's not you know it's not your sole focus it's not just to be sort of talking to someone you're also you're moving you're you're walking you're running whatever that is and I think it just really can help conversation flow so I think that combined with training for therapists I just was I just felt like could these work and I think I sort of tentatively you know this sort of mirrors how the Ironman ended up happening as well mm-hmm. I sort of tentatively started sort of saying it to people that I know knew had therapy if you know do you think that you'd ever wanted to do that or would that have worked better or and I remember talking to my tutor about it as well and he sort of he thought it was a good idea you know a few people do walking therapy in various places but not many people are doing running but yeah I guess when you start to air an idea to people and it gets a positive response it sort of builds your confidence that you can actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then kind of because you've you founded Move Your Mind, were you always did you always have your own practice or did you kind of start off working yeah. for someone else? No, I always had my own practice. I came out of training and I didn't go straight into doing being a counsellor full time. So I did it just one day a week alongside my full time job that I already had at the time. And so I just thought, you know, I, I was sort of looking for jobs. It's, it's actually quite hard to get a, a counselling job straight out of qualifying. A lot of therapists out there, and I don't know if there's, you know, a huge amount of jobs at, at times. Um, it'd be great if there was more. <laughs> I'm sure there's, I'm absolutely sure there's a demand for it. But I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to really tentatively try doing this one day a week and see how I feel. You know, there's so many concerns that you have when you're starting something like that. You know, how many clients can I really see? What's going to work for me? You know, I've got to think about mm-hmm. looking after my myself in this as well so it just felt like quite a sort of safe thing to do and I guess it was quite exciting as well in a way sort of you know and I'm going to do something a bit different I'm going to test also doing this outdoor therapy and see how that works and it felt almost quite non-committal as well because it wasn't Mm -hmm. like I just launched myself into it I sort of very sort of gradually took that step so it felt I guess for me anyway that felt a bit safer and so what did you do full-time then when you said uh, alongside your full-time job at that yeah. time? I worked for a charity in marketing, so something mm-hmm. completely different really. But again, helping people. And I think that when I started working for charities, that was the, the crux of it really. I wanted to be helping people and that's always felt like really important to me in a job. But it just didn't quite feel like enough. You know, I felt like I really wanted to be directly helping people. There was something in that. And I I think I felt like maybe my skills weren't being best used in that form either. You know, I liked marketing. I don't think I was bad at it, but I felt like I was probably better at doing something where I was really face to face with people. And then kind of, I guess, even taking a step backwards then from, from your marketing, in terms of kind of walking through that almost realization of like, okay, so I feel like by the sounds of it, it sounds like, you know, you, you liked the job you were in, but Mm. how did you, or how did you get to the point where you made the decision to then kind of go back and retrain? I I think I'm a bit of a contradiction in a way, because I think I do think things through quite a lot but then it comes to a point where I think I almost just get bored of myself or something because then I'm always <laughs> quite impulsive eventually so I, I think I'd thought about it for a while and I remember talking to my family about it a bit and my mum was quite worried that I'd 
uh, it would be a lot for me to take on emotionally as a sort of classic mum response you know <laughs> from that sort of place of care and some people were like you know just try it see how it goes and you have to do a few introductory courses before you can get on the diploma anyway or at least most people do if they don't have a background in that kind of work mm-hmm. so it felt like of sort of quite a safe step again really because I just signed up for a course I think it was nine months you went one evening a week it felt relatively non-committal in the sense that I could try it I could see if I liked mm-hmm. it I could see if I was good at it because I thought I could be but it, it's so hard to know that imposter syndrome kind of creeps in and you think you know am I actually gonna be good at this why do I think mm-hmm. I why do I think I can do this but yeah I loved it and I felt like I was quite good at it so it just kind of went from there. So I guess that first step for me was quite easy, really, because it it wasn't too much of a commitment. Essentially, the way that I'm, I'm visualizing it is that it seems like Move Your Mind potentially took more and more of your space and then kind mm-hmm. of the, the work took less and less. Or was there a point where you had one day a week and then you quit your job and kind of went went for it? Yeah, so I I went to two days a week then after that so my work kindly who were actually really supportive through the whole process because that was you know I had to work quite odd hours at times in order to go to university when I was doing my diploma and they sort of stuck with me through all of it so I was really really lucky in that sense like you know I'm not sure everyone would have that kind of flexibility in their work but I luckily did and then I went to two days a week to be honest I was kind of they gave me a nudge in the end to sort of go full-time because they said that it wasn't quite working well enough to have me out of the Mm -hmm. office for two days so I sort of had to make a decision really I either go back to one day or I just go for it and as soon as I knew those were my options it felt like a bit of a no-brainer and I was like of course I'm Mm going to go for it so I guess slowly is how that happened it was over the course of two years that that process happened so you've now kind of made that decision you've made that jump you've decided to, to commit to move your mind full-time working as a therapist in terms of your approach which already is a little bit different in terms of offering therapy outside and while running you say you know you have a quite integrative or holistic approach what exactly does that actually mean yeah so an integrative therapist really is someone who is trained across a broad range of different therapeutic approaches so Mm -hmm. in my work I would basically assess what a client wants to get out of therapy and what their needs are and work with them with that in mind so knowing that depending on what they bring depending on how they work best depending on what kind of ways they seem to respond best to I would adapt that approach and and bring in different types of approaches so other therapists to give like the counter of that might just be a specialist in one type of therapy like Mm -hmm. CBT or psychodynamic therapy and then they would only work within that modality so I guess my feeling is that I think it's really good most people going into therapy probably don't know what specific kind of therapy would be best for them or what they would like or what would work best so it's quite good to have someone who can tap into all those different Mm -hmm. ways of working but there's obviously a counter argument to that and you know if someone is going to benefit really well from a specific type of therapy then going to that specific kind of therapist is a really good idea for them but I think for most people I think it's good to have someone who can reach into different toolboxes if you like and pick out different things that might help. Yeah, of course. And in terms of kind of the type of people that come to you, what are some of the topics that people come with? Uh, Such a wide range. I think a lot of people is to do with relationships, anxiety, 
depression, stress, I think those are the key things, but, but there really can be anything. I did a lot of my training in bereavement therapy, so I do tend mm-hmm. to get a fair few people dealing with bereavement because it's something I often write as one of my sort of more specialist areas, if you like. You know, there, there really is a wide range. Probably anything you can sort of think of that someone might have a problem with. In terms, I'm kind of, I'm really interested in this whole type of, of movement and, and outside. Mm-hmm. How have you, since offering that, how have you kind of seen the effect on your patients? Mm. So I think with people that come to me for movement therapy, it's usually people that specifically ask for it from the beginning and people that have chosen me because I offer it, which leads me to believe, as well as sometimes being told, that those people wouldn't have access therapy Mm -hmm. without that. Um, Or they would have been very anxious to, or they may have let things get worse before they felt they Mm -hmm. would. Are you noticing kind of a a difference or just a difference? type of people that end up kind of seeking out the therapy I think it's often just their preference I'm honestly I'm not sure I don't notice a difference in terms of you know someone who Mm -hmm. has movement therapy has a better result if if that's sort of they come out of therapy feeling a different way to someone who might have been inside I, I think that honestly the same principles to both apply other than the fact it's outside I'm using all the same techniques it it really is the same in terms of this whole mind-body interaction, would you mind just kind of talking a little bit about what is meant by that and how movement or moving the body, whether it's a walk or a run, this isn't, I'm, I'm assuming this doesn't have to be kind of like high-intensity, no, uh, strenuous not. exercise, how that has an impact on overall well-being? Yeah, sure. I think that that's a key point you made there. It doesn't need to be high impact or high intensity. And that's something that I always make quite clear with anyone, especially if they want to go running, um, that this isn't a running session. You know, it's not a training <laughs> session. The focus is that we're talking and moving and it's not about your pace or, you know, anything like that. Because I think it's just so, I mean, there's been so many sort of studies on how exercise benefits your mental well-being and that's kind of a standard given now that people know but I think that in terms of moving while doing therapy I guess it's from my own personal experience of you know when I've been in that environment I'm talking to people more easily you know so Mm -hmm. sort of noticing it myself noticing it in others seeing that that kind of movement and being able to be more open, being able to talk about yourself more easily, go to places maybe you might not feel comfortable doing and maybe when you meet up with your friend in a restaurant or anything like that. I think it's just, it offers a much more kind of open space for it. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And in that way, kind of having built the practice and, and kind of offering this more active approach to, to therapy, have you always been active in outdoors or where did that kind of come from? Yeah, I have. I've got my dad to thank for that one. He always encouraged us to do lots of sport and things like that. Me and my sister when we were younger. I think I have always found it just almost just part of my life and something that when I'm not doing it, I really notice it and I really feel not not my best self at all. So I have always been sporting and always seen the benefit in being active and spending time outside. And is that kind of how you got, I don't know if there's a, there's a casual, you ended up doing an Ironman. Mm. Um, Is that kind of what got you started even thinking about it or, or how did that story end up? Yes. At um, one of our random crew um, meetups that we have before we go for a run together, um, a girl was being presented a medal and this was right at the beginning. This was probably over three years ago when I first started and she was being presented a medal 
by Charlie, the founder, because she'd just done an Ironman. And I honestly couldn't believe it that she'd done an Ironman. <laughs> I just thought she was absolutely insane. And what she was saying was that women don't seem to have the confidence or for some reason they don't think they can because there were so many men there and she couldn't believe it and her main message was if you're if you're a woman think about it you know you can do it too and I think I'd run a marathon one marathon at that point and sort of run it thinking oh that's I've done a marathon now that's that ticked off the list not sort of thinking I was going to embark on anything else and I'd really hadn't been on a bike since I was about 12. I guess it planted a seed and again a bit like I was saying before about tentatively sort of mentioning it to people I sort of started Mm -hmm. doing the same with a few friends they were saying yeah let's do it and and at this point you still had not been on a bike again no no (laughs) um they started saying yeah let's do it and I think they were like not quite yet let's do do a triathlon and I was like okay I I did an Olympic triathlon which is 40 kilometers on the bike and and bearing in mind an Ironman is 180 kilometers on the bike I was so slow I got lapped twice by some people of my friends that were doing it and I was just thinking oh my god what was I talking about doing this Ironman but they've already said they'll do it now so I guess I'm gonna have to get better at cycling it just sort of happened quite slowly again but you know just feel really lucky that I'm around people that encourage me and to do these things because I think that's really important. So you've essentially just mentioned it to a couple of friends and they were like okay let's do it and then you put it back out again? basically yeah I sort of said it sort of thing I was like I just think maybe I could do an Ironman one day what do you think we should give it a go and I sort of expected people to be like are you mad because I mean that's how I first felt when I heard someone say they'd done one and they were like god that'll be tough but yeah okay then let's do it you know and before we knew it there was 10 of us and we thought we're really lucky because we're in a sort of part of the community in London where people are really active. People are doing stuff like that, you know, not infrequently, but it's not uncommon to hear of someone doing something like that. But what about all the people that don't have that kind of network? Mm-hmm. And, and we want to encourage other people to other women, especially to think that they can do these things too. So we set up an Instagram account as kind of the main way of spreading our message. And we were getting so many messages from women that had found us on there sort of saying, oh, I've signed up to my first triathlon because of you, or I'm going to do a half Ironman. And people asking if we would be keeping it going after we'd done our event and what we could they be part of it. And we just sort of felt, we were amazed firstly that it had like taken off in that way, but also like it was, you know, our responsibility then to keep it going. You know, we wanted to help all these other people. So that's, that's how 10 Iron Women grew to be, Um, a much bigger thing that we're all really passionate about and yeah like you said before it's almost like having another job though (laughs) yeah Yeah, remember when kind of things things kicked off and Mm. and watching all of you kind of go through this journey of preparing and even changing attire and it was so cool to see and then actually tracking you on the day like you know 10 10 strangers I didn't know any of you like personally but it was just really kind of exciting but I kind of want to start wrapping my head around just even the beginning of it because even just a marathon is Mm. is a is a thing right it's like it's a it's a big endeavor and you had said before you kind of thought about doing more than that um you had already run a marathon Mm. kind of can you take me back to what made you run a first marathon because I feel like based on your story you said you don't didn't really identify as a runner to begin with no oh god when I think back to when I first went on some runs I think it was sort of at at university between because I I played water polo at uni so that was always something that I did to be sporty there but but you know like on the uni breaks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that when I didn't want to pay for a gym membership I remember going for little runs 
around the block near my parents house and I think I probably ran like it's probably only a kilometer and I remember just it was so awful and I found it so painful and I hated every second but I think the thing is uh, you just start to get better you just keep doing it and you do start to get better and then you start to sort of think oh maybe I could do a 10k and then I, and then I think after signing up for a 10k I thought well maybe I could run a marathon then and I remember doing a half marathon in in part of that training um which I actually did to raise money for for a friend of mine who um was very unwell so I, maybe that gave me the incentive to do it but I think also I, I quite like pushing myself in that way to sort of mm-hmm. think the next step along you know sign up for a marathon before I've done a half I feel like that's something that I get quite a lot of energy from and I think that's actually a really interesting thing about kind of at what point does it become an identity because it seems like you ran a marathon and it was almost this like oh maybe I am a runner overall Mm. kind of what what was that flip or like what what kind of flipped that switch in your mind of like oh, this is just something, you know, I, I do because I'm, I don't want to pay for a gym membership to, oh, actually, I am a runner and kind of bring that into your identity. Yeah, I think, to be honest, it was when I came to London and started running with Run Dem Crew and a bigger community of runners and sort of seeing that there was much more to it than just the running almost, mm-hmm. but it was what held us all together. So I, I met friends that way. And I think I just started to feel like being a runner was it it was a really good thing and it gave me access to this whole other part of you know London life that I wouldn't have known about otherwise so mm-hmm. maybe that's when the shift happened you then ran a marathon and you kind of are becoming engaged in these in these running groups and how, but still how do you go from from having run a marathon to all of a sudden you said it's 180 kilometers on the bike I don't even know how long an entire Ironman is to kind of being able to get there yeah I think with this kind of mirrors probably because I've been thinking about this a little bit in before this podcast I think it's similar to what I did with therapy in that sense because I think about you think about it to a point and you think well can I actually do it do I want to do it and then ultimately almost just you just decide and it's it's kind of just deciding to do it is almost the hardest bit and then from that point you just have to do it you know <laughs> it's just sort of the practicalities of doing it then the decision is the hardest part usually I think and I mean, but I feel like there's also some kind of practical things right because I feel like or at least just thinking back to when I was when I was watching you to me the biggest thing would be a bike because mm-hmm. even I don't even know how to start <laughs> figuring out any of that in terms of there were 10 of you in terms of like community and, and going through this how did you almost like learn and, and educate each other and support each other for sure I absolutely I think I'd probably still be saying oh I'm thinking of doing an Ironman now (laughs) if it hadn't have been for the other women around me who had been up for it some of which were good at cycling they that's my weakest one and they were able to help me so it really made such a big difference having those people around you is so important which is why we set up the bigger group because not everyone has that so we want to be able to help them find those people and make those new friendships so Mm -hmm. that they can have that kind of support system in place too and I think that's really interesting because it seemed like there were there were 10 of you you wanted to share this journey and now it has really kind of changed into into a movement into this this thing that's bigger than the 10 of you around really inspiring women to to take on challenges that that seem to be unthinkable and I remember watching kind of at the end of of last year being like okay you you've done it now like what 
do you do all 10 of you just train for another one and it was this really interesting moment of questioning of like okay what's what's going to happen now and I think it's so beautiful as to what you're now inspiring with this movement if you want to talk a little bit about after Barcelona and the and the next steps that you took so after Barcelona we were all totally knackered to be honest (laughs) but we were getting a lot of messages from people saying what are you going to do next can we be a part of it and we would well we didn't really know what to do to be honest we were just like we just need to sleep for a few months (laughs) but we didn't because we wanted to provide that space for those people we had a lot of thoughts we're like you know what are we going to do are we going to are we going to just pick 10 more people to help with this because we didn't want to overwhelm ourselves and sort of give ourselves a task that we didn't think we could manage by just sort of opening up to everyone but you know we put some feelers out and we sent out a questionnaire and we got over 100 responses from people who were either thinking of doing it this year or wanted to know more about doing it in the future and it just didn't feel right to to restrict it in any way so Mm -hmm. we ultimately said okay anyone that signs up for Ironman Barcelona the next year we're gonna do all we can to help you get there but even Mm -hmm. even if you're not thinking of doing Ironman Barcelona or an Ironman yet or ever and you just want to get into triathlon or meet women to do rides with or runs with cool come along Mm -hmm. so we kind of set it up as two things in the end where we've got one group who is sort of mentoring a bit in a way sort of giving Mm -hmm. our sort of tips and things even though we're none of us are coaches or anything but just sort of we've been on that journey so sharing our sort of thoughts as with them from where we were in our training at the same time as well as creating the wider community so that's not happening very well at the moment with coronavirus but um in theory we would be sort of meeting up with weekly rides or runs and sort of creating that space for people to network so they might already had people here in that group who have you know signed up to events together or they found someone who's doing the same event as them they didn't know before so now they've got mm-hmm. a sort of a training buddy so it's already working exactly how we'd hoped it would in that way and i think it's quite interesting that you given the current situation with there's so much uncertainty especially around kind of these big events you know whether it be marathons or or the ironman in barcelona mm. how are you kind of approaching especially as a therapist how are you kind of approaching training and and training for something that might potentially not happen yeah we're checking in on all the women quite a lot because I I mean having trained last year and thinking about what that was like and how I mean it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster to be honest (laughs) just without any of that on top I mean I don't know how how it must be for them to be training for an event where they're not even sure if the event's going to take place Mm -hmm. and not just an event something that takes over your life in such a huge way like Ironman training they're just they're just amazing they seem to be you know some of them have seen are seeing the training as a way to sort of keep focused and keep sort of that sort of consistency through these uncertain times <laughs> some are sort of thinking well I'm just going to take it as it comes and let's see where I'm at fitness wise by the time that you know in a few months time when this is sort of mm-hmm. settled down a bit some are thinking of deferring to next year and they're all sort of taking it in their stride whatever they've decided to do I just think it's amazing and I guess as far as what we're doing and what I'm doing is just sort of checking in with them as much as possible and sort of mm-hmm. being a listening ear if they've got worries about anything. And did you have anything kind of on on the schedule in terms of events that you were planning to run absolutely none (laughs) so (laughs) for the first time in years so it's been really lovely and actually maybe I'd have got tempted to sign up for something had you know the coronavirus not hit but I just haven't 
signed up for anything which has been really nice I've not been on a training schedule since the Ironman and before that it had been years that I had been on one so it's probably been good for me to sort of get that balance back and just enjoy moving for moving sake again so I've been going for a run most days still but at a distance and pace that just I want to that day and you know not thinking about getting any sprints in or you know what I'm trying to get from the session other than just enjoying it so I think it's really important to have those moments where you kind of reconnect with why it is you like doing the sports that you're doing off of a training plan and to sort of have those moments to just sort of breathe a bit. (laughs) Yeah because that's something I was really interested in coming off of something that's so intense and and really kind of long hours as well right Mm -hmm. Um, towards kind of the build-up of it and now not having that did the way that you look at exercise change I think it's a really difficult one because everyone's different I think we all have this initial reaction of oh my god we're the fittest we've ever been in our lives and we're about to lose it all (laughs) (laughs) there's no way we can maintain this so it's going to go down you know it's a really strange feeling because you do feel I mean I personally felt really fit on like race day like I so yeah it is a weird feeling when you finish but you also know your body needs a bit of time to recover um so you know you kind of have to chill it out but it's not easy and one of the things I'd like to kind of uh, talk about is that mindset because in terms of like physically getting fit um, obviously I haven't done anything close to an Ironman but it seems like there's you know you had this community there's training plans you can follow but in terms of mentally and especially in that lead up to it Mm. what were some of the thoughts that you had and and what are some of the the worries that you had and and how did you deal with those I think talking to the other girls was crucial in that because at some point or another we probably all had quite similar thoughts maybe not all at the same time but at at different points I think a few of us were very worried I know I was very worried about the practicalities of the bike and you know what happens if I get a puncture what happens if I get I can't fix it what if I I was very worried about not hitting the bike in the cutoff time at one point Mm -hmm. as well um, on race day two so there's a lot of those things that feel like they have carry so much weight because you know it's such a big event you train for it for so many months it costs a lot of money to enter you've spent so much time invested in training for it you've skipped seeing your friends you've been a nightmare to your boyfriend you haven't (laughs) seen your family you know there's so many things that have come at a cost during that training period that it all just feels so intense (laughs) and that's that's really difficult and without the other girls to vent to and to talk to about that it would have been really hard people that are trained for an Ironman on their own especially their first one you know massive respect to them because it would be Mm -hmm. really really challenging mentally as well as physically and did those thoughts come up during the race at all do you know what I yeah but kind of once you started for me anyway it was just like well (laughs) there's nothing I can do now you know I've checked my bike tires a thousand times I've you know I've done all I can now I just kind of have to go with it and just hope for the best so I really honestly loved 90% of the race I just found the very end of the marathon awful (laughs) but apart from that I really loved it loved the swim I really enjoyed the cycle in the end I was happy to get off the bike don't get me wrong but I didn't have a puncture or anything so I was just yeah I really I really loved it so now that you've kind of done this this massive challenge what kind of is next for you or or where you've kind of talked about just connecting to exercise and and movement just for the sake of moving but in terms of this movement how do you kind of see that or what is the what is your long-term vision or hopes with it 
I think for me, it, it feels like a good opportunity to focus on other things. You know, I've, you know, relatively recently become full-time therapist. So I want to focus on things like that and use, use running as just a way to switch off, you know, go back to basics of it a little bit, like I was saying, just kind of using it as a chance to be social with people. In terms of with the sort of wider group, the 10 Iron Women project, we're hoping next year, all being well, we're going to try and campaign beforehand but get as many women as possible to enter an iron man event um, we'd really love to get an event where we've got a 50 50 gender split so please if anyone listening <laughs> we need all the help we can get because that is a huge ask you know that's looking for about 1500 women to do an iron man event when you know normally there would be only a couple of hundred so we really do need as many women as possible to take part so i'm not sure if you're keen julia <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be it, the the seed has definitely been planted. Great, uh, putting, me on the, one put, more. putting me on the spot here, we did just due to lockdown reasons get a stationary bike for ah, indoors. You're ready. You're ready to go. I feel like it's the first step before getting me onto onto London roads, which is definitely I think my biggest mental block. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame you. I know loads of nice country routes, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, really using this podcast to put me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> so thinking. In terms of future, I know the future is quite uncertain at the moment, but in terms of your, you've talked about your wider vision with 10 Iron Women, but in terms of your practice and kind of in terms of focusing on your life right now, is there something that you have that kind of helps you guide you through that, like an internal compass of sorts? Yeah, I think so. I think that internal compass, if you like, quite like that phrase. I think I might use that myself at some point. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's getting stronger. And I don't know if part of that's age or part of that, the more of these sorts of things I do and the more I push myself out of my comfort zone, the more it sort of grows and sort of gets stronger. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's about balancing self-care with these ideas and these projects and things that do take up a lot of time and energy you know and work especially is quite emotionally um, exhausting at times so I think it's about growing it at a rate that feels comfortable and sort of keeping in touch with that am I looking after myself as well mentality mm -hmm. which I think is really important and something that you know I probably could have done with a bit earlier but I'm glad it's here now. And I think you've touched on something very interesting there which I think is true for, for everyone really, but in particular as a therapist, you mentioned this whole, you know, it's, it, it can at times be quite energy draining. Mm. Do you have any markers or kind of signals that you have for yourself that you realize, oh, I need to potentially take better care of myself? Yeah, I, I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't spot it. You know, I think it's part of being you know you don't always catch it you we're all imperfect you know sometimes I'll be like okay I'm actually that was full-on and I feel like I cannot focus so I'm just gonna keep it simple watch some trash on the tv and have an easy dinner and that's cool that's me done for the day and sometimes I might not even notice because maybe I've got lots to do and before I know it I'm like crying or something you know about dropping my pen you know and then it's kind of okay what do I need to do step back um so yeah, I think it's a case of I've got much better at checking in with myself about where I'm at. Like, what do I actually want to do and what am I doing because I feel I have to? I think is a question I ask myself a lot more than I used to. And that, that question probably sets me quite right. You know, what do I actually want to do? Yeah, I think that's such a powerful thing of getting rid of all the things you, 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 mm. should, you should do and focusing on the things that you want or potentially have to because there's always bits we have to do that we don't There do. are, there are. <laughs> but maybe we don't have to do as many of them as we think we do.
All right, kind of to wrap things up, I'm going to ask my, my three questions here. Is there a book that has changed your life or shifted your mindset? I am not a huge reader, which feels like a really guilty confession to say when you're asked a question like that. <laughs> um, but there is a book that I think is really insightful for anyone who's thinking of having therapy or being a therapist at any point. And it's a book that I read when I was training. And so as you can imagine, so many of the books you read are kind of really like intricate or difficult reads. And this one was, it's just beautifully written. It's quite poetic. And it's uh, Love's Executioner. Um, which is by Irvin Yalom. So I would recommend that if you're fitting into either of those camps or, ever, or just want an interesting read. I don't think you should feel guilty about that at all. I feel no. like I should, I should have rephrased that question of, um, <laughs> is there a type of exercise or race? Yeah. That has changed? But speaking of which, oh, there, this is why I was so excited to have you on the podcast because there's just so many. As part of these three questions, I'm going to just casually drop in. You ran from L.A. to Vegas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did. That was not one of my ideas that sort of happened. That was someone else planting an idea in my head that I said yes to. That was great. We did it in a team, again, of women. So there is a bit of a theme here, isn't there? A team of eight women in the end. And we took it in terms to run from L.A. to Vegas. And yeah, that was absolutely, oh, that was an insane experience. It was you just it felt crazy to do that but probably that experience stood me in really good stead for the Ironman you know standing on that start line in LA thinking we're gonna I'm gonna keep running until we get to Vegas this is insane and how long is that full distance <laughs> oh god I can't even remember <laughs> but hundreds and hundreds of kilometers I can't remember it, I think it took us crazy. 52 hours or something like that in the end so yeah really long time um, it's not really books you need that that cha- end up changing your life it's it's other women with, with yeah, ideas I, well I think it's people for sure for me anyway I'm sure you know some people really do feel like they get that from a book but for me it, it's probably from people amazing and second to last question what is your secret to success or what do you think your secret to success is I think it's that I don't overthink for too long and I just sort of make a decision and go for it I think it is important to I mean I love a spreadsheet I'm always making pros and cons lists and thinking <laughs> that I do think things through pretty well but ultimately just just do it just just go for it and see what happens if you're feeling sort of like anywhere near close to sure it's what you want to do just just take the plunge and do it and don't wait too long once you've made the decision do you ever think back about undoing that decision or are, are you committed at that point I'm pretty committed. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think I'm, once I've decided I'm just, I'm in. Not that it would be necessarily bad to do that, but I don't think I would ne- really change things if I reflected. No. <laughs> and then what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live life differently or rather kind of once you realized you might be different from others? I think actually what I was saying before about self-care and sort of checking in with myself that that voice getting a bit stronger in my head I think that it would have been maybe it would have been good to hear someone say that to me earlier on because I think I probably pushed myself quite hard in terms of not allowing enough time (laughs) in my life and not enough sleep that would be a good one so yeah I think that you know checking in with that voice more and someone sort of saying reminding me not reminding me not to forget that voice that would have been a good thing amazing and then lastly if people want to find out more about you where can they find you if they want to find out more about my therapy practice they can have a look on my website which is moveyourmindtherapy.com and if they want to find out more about 10 iron women they can find us on instagram 
which is at 10 Iron Women. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I could definitely chat and ask you about all the really cool things that you've done forever. But thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. Thanks so much, Julia. Honestly, it was so lovely to be asked to be on it. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you found it as inspiring as I did. It's really crazy how so many challenges, whether it's making a career change or pushing to your physical limits, really is just one decision away. If this conversation has helped you in any way or led to some insights, please share it with your friends, colleagues, and family. I would also be incredibly grateful if you could please write a review as this helps me record more episodes and makes it easier for others to find it. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Modern Day Rebels on Apple Podcasts, follow the podcast on Spotify, or listen in on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow at Modern Day Rebels on Instagram or sign up to the newsletter to stay up to date on each week's episode and receive some practical tips and tricks you can easily apply in your day-to-day. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.